This is People Every Day. Coming up, inside People's exclusive first sit-down with Vanessa Bryant. Plus, Meghan Markle bullying accusations and Dolly Parton's public service announcement. It's March 3rd. Hey, everyone. This is People Every Day, presented by Macy's. I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein, and it is Wednesday, hump day, yet again. And I am so excited for today. I'm so excited for this week because it is Women Changing the World Week at People. Uh, Our new Women Changing the World issue is out now, and it is stacked, you guys. I'm talking Stacey Abrams, Amanda Gorman, uh, Camila Cabello, and of course, our cover story with none other than Vanessa Bryant. Yes, Kobe Bryant's widow opens up to us for the first time about how she is coping, um, what she is doing to keep Kobe and her daughter Gianna's legacies alive for both her daughters and herself and the world. So I get to talk to Liz Leonard, who did that interview, and really dig into what that was like for her. So stay tuned for that. Uh, But first, the news that's bubbling out there. I am joined by none other than Royals expert, Michelle Tauber, who's here to take me through everything that's going on with Harry and Meghan, because it's a lot. How are you doing, Michelle? I'm great. I'm a little bit, um, I couldn't sleep last night. I'm a little bit uh, tired from like my mind racing with all this news, uh, just uh, nonstop news. It's been really, really crazy lately. Uh, it just feels like things have completely picked up, but we're still all trapped in quarantine. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like we're on a roller coaster in our houses. <laughs> yeah. What is that about? Um, so, so, you know, where we left off with Megan and Harry was just this amazing moment um, with James Corden, uh, where they are kind of saying, look, we're here, we're in America, we're very happy, we have these normal lives, you know, anything that's an issue with our family is getting, you know, dealt with, but we're still family. And now... Again, some drama coming out of out of the palace. So let's let, let's talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. You know, things were things were really on a high note after James Corden. And as you said, I mean, you could see how happy Harry is and how relaxed he was and charming. And, you know, we started to feel kind of the tension pick up uh, after the first promos aired for the Oprah Winfrey interview, because those those promos were, um, you know, a hint of what's to come. And we heard Oprah say that they were describing they had used the words almost unsurvivable. And, you know, Oprah said that that sounded like a breaking point. Um, and, um, you know, so we, we started to get that sense that things were, that the kind of lightness that we saw in James Corden was going to take a much um, heavier, more serious turn when they sit down with Oprah. Um, and then last night, a story dropped that we had heard was coming and it, it had been held a few days, probably because they were lawyers on both sides working it all out. But, um, you know, this story appeared in the times in the UK, it's a reputable outlet and it was pretty bombshell, um, story because essentially Janine, you know, what we've heard from, from, um, Megan's friends through the years is how bullied she felt as a victim of the tabloid media. And this story that came out in the times last night, kind of turned that narrative on its head and said that, in fact, Megan was the bully. And did this really surprise us? I know we have our own sourcing and we've been covering the tensions within the palace since, you know, 
almost the moment that she got there. Um, was this news to us? Yeah, I mean, it was news. I mean, yes, you're absolutely right. We have we have we knew that there were there was a lot of friction within the royal household and and within the, among the staff. Um, and we know, of course, that that the staff split apart pretty soon after Meghan and Harry came on the scene, right? They divided the offices. We thought they were going to be one combined office. That didn't last long at all. So we knew that there had been tension. And we also knew, of course, that there had been staffers who had departed. But this story in the Times sort of gives this completely different narrative and says that, in fact, why staffers left is because they felt um, bullied by by Megan, the Duchess of Sussex, and that, in fact, there had been a formal HR complaint lodged against her back in 2018 um, by at least one palace staffer. And that was very much news uh, to us and, and a big shock. Wow. And then just looking at her statement now, she issued one through her reps that said the Duchess, the Duchess is saddened by this latest attack on her character, particularly as someone who has been the target of bullying herself and is deeply committed to supporting those who have experienced pain and trauma. Uh, so it's it's kind of like this battle of the bullies almost going on. You know, it's something that she had said. Now they're saying, you know, she might have been on the other end of it. Uh, it's I know. And, and I think there's something we haven't touched on yet, which is really important, it, which is that Megan. So, so she's, you know, her, her, there was a statement in the times from her rep saying that they view this as a smear campaign launched mm-hmm. as a kind of pre retaliation to whatever she may be saying to Oprah five now, four days from now on Sunday. And the timing is interesting. The timing is really, is really interesting. And I mean, the time story even acknowledges that these people, if these, if these are now coming up on three-year-old accusations, why are they coming out right now? And I think yeah. we all need to think about that. And the other piece I think we really need to consider here is what exactly is being said in this time story? You know, what are we hearing? Are we hearing that this was a demanding that that M- Megan is a is a demanding boss? That Megan is an exacting boss? And if so, is that grounds for a character assassination? When the stories about her first emerged of some of the negative stories in the tabloid press, one of them was she sends emails to her staff at five a.m. Is that mm. Is that a crime? <laughs> um, and, you know, and is that a cultural difference in American versus, you know, British difference? Yeah. Um, Seriously, we we do. Ha- we have no boundaries. We have no boundaries. That much. We, like they could not work in New York. I'll tell you that right now. Sure. <laughs> and, and, and also factoring in another piece, which is Megan is the first woman of color in the modern royal family ever. And, you know, yeah. that there is this there women are branded difficult often uh, and held to a different standard than men. And. Black women and women of color are even more held to a different standard than than mm-hmm. their white peers. So I think all of that is 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 needs to be factored in here, and I think you're going to hear Megan address that. Absolutely, absolutely. And 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 the statement comes one day after she was awarded uh, that six hundred and twenty five thousand dollar you know settlement for legal costs over that privacy case. So this has just really been like an up. Down, up. I mean, James Corden, drama with the family. Uh, this this Times article uh, being awarded. Uh, now, Oprah, it's just been so much. Oh, I mean, it, it has. It's been, talk about 5 a.m. emails. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, our poor royal team. 5 a.m., yeah. And in the midst of this, and in the midst of this, we're still trying to figure out um, how Prince yeah. Philip is doing, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, he is, he remains in the hospital. He's 99. 
29, but honestly, I mean, but really he's almost a hundred. He turns 100 in June. So he's closing in on that. And, you know, we didn't get the most encouraging. I don't know how I felt about um, Camilla, the Duchess of Cornwall gave us a comment this morning during an appearance. And she said something like, he slightly improved. We're, we're hoping for the best. It wasn't necessarily oh, wow. the most encouraging. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I think uh, everyone's very worried. Well, let's, let's slip into something that is, is, is not so tricky. Yeah. Um, Dolly Parton. Yes. I just love this woman who doesn't, but, uh, she has done a huge service, um, to herself and for everyone in getting the vaccine in such an amazing way recently. So she, she sat down, she got it. And, uh, this is something where she, Literally, as she put it, got a dose of her own medicine because she famously donated a million dollars to uh, research and it, it actually ended up going towards this vaccine. And now she's getting it at 75. Vaccine, 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 vaccine. I'm begging of you, please don't hesitate. Vaccine, 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 vaccine. Because once you're dead, then that's a bit too late. <laughs> I know I'm trying to be funny now, but I'm dead serious about the vaccine. I think we all want to get back to normal, whatever that is. And that would be a great shot in the arm, wouldn't it? If we could get back to that. But anyhow, I just wanted to encourage everybody because the sooner we get to feeling better, the sooner we are going to get back to being normal. So I just want to say to all of you cowards out there, don't be such a chicken squat. Get out there and get shot. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that, I mean, Michelle? I mean, Janine, is this not the... <laughs> Are you convinced? <laughs> is this not the best thing of the entire past year, year and a half? I mean, yeah. I, I, I am so... As you said, th this woman, Dolly Parton, is a national treasure on, a, on, on another level. And, you know, I, already I had, like, a couple of weeks ago, I bought her perfume because I was like, I just want to walk around smelling like Dolly. I just want to channel that positivity. And, and I think, I don't know about you, but what I loved in that clip is the way she's so like, she's so blunt and she levels with people like no one else is able Period. to do, right? Period. Oh my goodness. I just, I just love it. And it, and it ties in with us as well. Cause you know, we have the people, um, why I'm getting yeah. vaccinated campaign. So it's just so important. We're, we're over this guys. Oh let's my just gosh. Get it done let's don't be a chicken squat. <laughs> don't get the shot. Glad we could end on that Dolly high note. Yes, <laughs> Thanks definitely. for joining me, Michelle. Thank you so much, Janine. Next, I sit down with my colleague, Elizabeth Leonard, to delve into her interview with Vanessa Bryant, all about how she is coping and creating opportunities for other young women. But first, here's a little something from one of our women changing the world, Stacey Abrams. Listen to what she has to say about ambition and confidence. Others can't want more for me than I want for myself. And I can't allow others to want more for my community than I want for it. And ambition that is silent isn't ambition, it is wishing. And wishes don't come true. What comes true is work and dreams that are married with action. Wise words from a wise woman. Stay tuned.
This is a big, big week at People, you guys. This is our Women Changing the World week, I call it. Uh, but the big issue is out now, and it's just so important. We do it every year where we honor women who are doing just that. They are making a difference in really impactful ways. And today, I have my colleague and just the the leader of our West Coast division and an interviewer who can get anything out of anyone. <laughs> Elizabeth Leonard is joining me right now to talk about her momentous cover story with Vanessa Bryant. How are you doing, Liz? I'm doing okay. It's so good to see you, Janine. It's so good to see you and, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Congratulations <laughs> on all of it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I, I can't wait to dig into this story. First and foremost, tell me what it was like bringing this to fruition to even be able to create a space that felt safe enough for her to open up to us and have her share her story. Obviously, this story, Vanessa's story, Vanessa's incredibly moving journey is something that I mean, I've been interested in for so long. I've been um, passionate about trying to make sure she felt safe, that she felt heard, that it was an, an issue that was appropriate for, for her and to honor what she's been through and honor the, her, her life lessons and wisdom. And I felt that the Women Changing the World issue was just that. We could honor her good work as well as her incredibly moving and uh, impactful resilience. And it was, the, it was finally the, the perfect time for all of us to kind of get together and say, Let, let's honor and celebrate yeah. her now. It's, of course, been a little over a year since she lost both her husband and her daughter. And I, I smiled when I read uh, just about their relationship, about um, what he meant to her and, and how she felt for him even before he became a girl dad and, and how that you made, made her fall for him even more. What struck you about what she said about their relationship? I think that Vanessa was so sweet. I mean, about the fact that they, they really balanced each other out. And, um, you know, they fell in love very, very early on in, in their lives. I mean, Vanessa was just a teenager and they got married. She didn't even she didn't even know that she was she wanted to be a mom. Um, and then once they got together, once they fell in love, once they fell in love so hard, they they certainly wanted to you know, start a family and a family they did. <laughs> um, and. They, they just were a team. They were a real, real team. They were a parenting team. They were a, a couple team. I mean, honestly, th their relationship from everything she says and everything she felt was just beautiful. One of the most powerful parts of the interview um, has to be, you know, how she found the strength to carry on. Uh, what did she have to say about that burden, you know, of continuing to live with such an immense loss as both a wife and a mother. Vanessa was was very, very clear that grief is in no way linear. There are good days, and um, very often there are days that that sort of bring her to her knees in in pain mm. and, and and heartbreak. But always, her very first and foremost thought is about her daughters who need her, who love her. And so, despite the grief, despite the throughout the heartache and the heartbreak. She always, always was a, a mom first 
And they, they see her, they see her cry, they see her pain, but they also see her smile and they see that she, that she has made a conscious choice that despite the horror of the last 14 months of all of their lives, that mm. she is choosing to continue on, to continue on with purpose. And these girls, her daughters, their daughters are her reason. Wow. I'm, I'm just thinking about that uh, and how they are with her and and I'm in Los Angeles right now I'm in your in your territory and driving around pictures murals everywhere in this city you can't you know you can't turn the corner without seeing just a gorgeous portrait of of Kobe and and Gigi and I wonder if that buoys her I've got to tell you Janine she said point blank it, it helps her so much that outpouring of love on in all kinds of forms, all mm-hmm. all around the globe for both for Kobe, for Gigi, for her family, for her, the support, the love, the shared stories of grief, the shared stories of joy and 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 memories, they fill her heart. They fill her heart with with you know recollections of of her uh, of Kobe and, and and Gianna, but they also sort of they hold her up. She loves it. And she so appreciates all the outpouring of love. And she said she she wishes she could hug every single person who prayed for her family because it really meant the world. So how how are her daughters coping? Um, How has she helped them? Because, of course, they lost a dad and a sister. And and that's a whole other that's a whole other side of it, of of having to, um, you know, push on being so young. Vanessa has made absolutely certain that her three daughters who are with her 24 seven are know their love, know they're supported. And honestly, she keeps alive the the memories and the heart of, of their father, of Mm. their big sister. And especially for the two little ones who, who, you know, it's, it's devastating to her that they didn't spend as much time with with their dad and with their sister as, you know, we, we all would have, would have hoped the, the, the little one Capri, you know, Vanessa posted even a Instagram um, video of her walking around, holding a photo of Kobe and saying, Dada, Dada, they will all absolutely know their father and they'll know their sister. And she makes sure of it. Uh, She lost a husband, but what feels even more unbearable is, uh, you know, of course, losing a child. So so talk about the memory she shared specifically of Gigi. And, and she also spoke about, you know, the, this now viral letter that was posted by one of Gigi's friends. So so how, what did she have to say about that? Basically, Gigi was, as she said, well, one, a beast on the court. Like she <laughs> she had her her dad's, you know, talent, her dad's passion for basketball. She had these long, thin arms and she could steal the ball like no other. And, and Vanessa, you know, cherishes those those memories on the court. Yeah. She she almost lived a lifetime in her 13 years of play. But as far as being being a daughter, Gigi was vibrant. She was just you know, mm-hmm. hilarious. She, she wanted to you know, play in the WNBA and she absolutely, you know, would have, as Vanessa said, she already broke glass ceilings, even at, at her young age. And that was the point of, of that letter that, that Gigi's friend um, sent Vanessa and Vanessa posted basically just when her heart is so hurt from all that wasn't, she, mm-hmm. she holds on to all that was. How is Vanessa 
giving back. Despite all that's been taken from her, she has turned around and she has decided that she wants to help others and and figure out a way to give that love and light that she lost to other people. So tell me about how she's honoring their legacy. Even though Vanessa is going through so much grief and so much, you know, sort of inner turmoil that she never asked for or wanted or expected to navigate, she's dedicating a lot of her time and energy into thinking how she can give back, how she can continue with Kobe and 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 Gigi's legacy of love and of helping young girls, you know, be the best version of themselves they possibly can be. That was important to Kobe. That was important to Gigi. And it's certainly important to Vanessa to carry on. Wow. Yeah. And you're right. I remember one of the things that came out when the tragedy first happened was that this is, of course, a huge loss um, just to the world, but to the world of women's basketball and just the work that Kobe was doing in that space, um, partly because of Gigi, partly because he really enjoyed women's basketball and and and, and teaching um, young girls. And he was really getting a lot of people on board to invest and 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 get it to the place that, you know, it should be. And it's so great to hear that she is taking up that charge because it it was a really big loss to the sports world in that way. No, it absolutely was. And I think that Kobe did sort of probably just enough to to light that sort of that spark that with with help from Vanessa, with help from the NBA, with help from the WNBA and all sorts of people, I do think like the next generation of of girls, you know, they're, they're motivated, inspired by by the legacy of Kobe, of of again, of, of Gianna. And um, I, I do think that uh, the message was loud and clear enough to keep that energy and that sort of aim going. That was Elizabeth Leonard taking me inside her sit-down interview with Vanessa Bryant. For more on that very moving story, head over to people.com. And now, just before you jump, something to make you smile. You know that theory about six degrees of separation between any two people, how we're all connected? Well, for Julia Tenetti and Cassandra Madison, their connection is mind-boggling. They met and became friends while working at a Connecticut bar in 2013 and couldn't deny their resemblance. Both were adopted from the Dominican Republic, but when they compared their adoption papers, no match. So Cassandra took a DNA test and learned she indeed had a sister who was given up for adoption, which made Julia take a DNA test. And just like that, co-workers become friends, become real-life blood sisters. <laughs> Wild. And if nothing else, a reminder to be nice to your co-workers, right? <laughs> That's it for today. Talk to you guys tomorrow. <laughs>